This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Green Pulse, a podcast series by The Straits Times where we analyze the beats of the changing environment, from biodiversity conservation to climate change. I'm your host Audrey Tan and I cover science and environment for The Straits Times. My co-host is David Fogarty. Hi, I'm David and I'm the climate change editor at The Straits Times. It is May the 12th. Electric vehicles are all the rage now as nations ramp up their drives to decarbonize their vehicle fleets. Singapore also wants to do the same and aims to phase out all internal combustion engine vehicles by 2040. But how green are electric vehicles? Today we find out from Mr. Go Chi Kyung, Chief Executive of Charge Plus, the green mobility arm of clean energy firm Sunsip Group. Welcome Chi Kyung to the show. Hello, uh, thank you for having me. So let's start with the fuel source. If electric vehicles draw electricity from the grid, which in Singapore is still powered by fossil fuels, are they really greener than vehicles that run on petrol or diesel? Uh, fundamentally, uh, you know, when you look at the, the net emissions of electric vehicles, there will be a reduction in the carbon emissions when you convert a conventional internal combustion engine car to electric vehicle, right? Uh, and of course, it uh, very much depends on the locality uh, by which the conversion is done, right? So in a country like Singapore, so when you convert the IC car to an EV, we would see about uh, roughly a net 50% emissions reduction, which is quite, uh, you know, material, right? Uh, especially in the context of Singapore where land transport sector contributes 15%, right? It's a hefty 15% to our national emissions uh, profile, right? Uh, so conceivably, if we electrify our land transport sector entirely, we are talking about uh, knocking off 7% of uh, Singapore's emissions uh, total, and that's sizable, right? So therefore, in Singapore, uh, we are talking about 50% net emissions reduction, right? Even after factoring in the emissions from the power plants. So a lot of the misconceptions uh, arise because uh, people are saying that, well, yes, uh, you know, there's uh, zero tailpipe emissions, that's fine and good, but you're still drawing uh, you know, electricity from the power plants and the power plants are still spewing emissions in the air. Uh, that's obviously true, but uh, in Singapore, uh, virtually all of our power generation today runs on natural gas, which is the cleanest form of fossil fuel, right? So it's uh, the most energy efficient form of uh, fossil fuel. And therefore, when you rely on electricity produced from natural gas fired power plants, uh, there is still a, a hefty net 50% emissions reductions in Singapore. So in terms of uh, reducing our carbon emissions, uh, that's still going to be a very sizable, very meaningful contribution for Singapore. So just to be sure, how green an electric vehicle is depends on the fuel mix of a country. So for example, an electric vehicle plugged into Singapore's gas grid might be cleaner than say, one plugged into uh, the coal-fired grid of China, but much less green uh, than EVs plugged into a renewable energy source. If that's correct, um, and if so, do you have any sort of figures to you know for, for listeners to sort of um, perhaps to you know elaborate on that? Now, um, in terms of uh, emissions reductions, you're absolutely right that uh, it's very much tied to the the respective locality, right, by which the the EV is used, and and obviously it's tied to the power mix of that uh, you know uh, geography. So in Singapore, as I mentioned earlier on, there's natural gas. Uh, that's that's good. Uh, even though we are using fossil fuels, at least it's the cleanest form of fossil fuel. In a, a country, say, for instance, China, right, which is still heavily dependent on coal, right, the net emissions reductions will be uh, a lot more marginal, right? 
Uh, so I've seen uh, studies that suggest that the net emissions reduction in China will be only about 10% because uh, two-thirds of the power generation comes from coal. And we know that coal is uh, still very heavily uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, carbon-intensive compared to natural gas. In fact, it's, it's twice as heavy. right? So every uh, single unit of energy they produce from a coal-fired power plant you're generating almost twice the amount of carbon emissions. So when you draw power from a grid that's reliant on a, a, a coal-fired power plant uh, system, uh, naturally there'll be uh, more emissions, right? So China, yes, uh, is not so desirable there to convert to EVs, but still there's still a marginal benefit, which uh, is what I mentioned earlier on. It's about 10%. Well, decent, but not as big as a country like Singapore where you'll be 50%. And naturally, where you know when you go to a country uh, with a huge contribution from renewable energy, then the emissions reductions becomes even bigger, right? And and we, we can look at countries like Norway, where they have lots of uh, hydroelectric uh, contribution, right? A place like Denmark, etc. So when you convert to EV uh, in those countries, the net emissions reductions will be even bigger than what I've just mentioned, about 50% for Singapore. So Charge Plus is the green mobility arm of Sunset Group which is known as a solar energy firm in Singapore. So to make EVs even cleaner here in Singapore, should chargers be hooked up to solar panels? And is that feasible here? Uh, as you pointed out, uh, Charge Plus does have a mothership uh, known as uh, Sunset Group. We are very happy with that uh, you know, close relationship. We think it's very symbiotic, uh, in, in part because a lot of the landlocked premises that we go to, when they are interested in EV charging, they are also simultaneously interested in renewable energy. Now, so therefore, with that combination of solutions that uh, clients are now interested in, uh, you know, and going back to my earlier points that, you know, just relying on the national grid, the national power system of Singapore, which is heavily dependent on natural gas, uh, we are talking about a net 50% emissions reduction. But if the very premises that we're going to are intending to have a large contribution from renewable energy, right? And if you want to use solar energy in a very big way, and some of the companies that we deal with are even proposing carports, right? They, their, their car park may be open air, but they are asking that, okay, solar panels be erected as rules for the car parks, right? As shelter, but more importantly, to be linked to the EV chargers under the carport, right? To power the electric vehicles that you intend to have. So other than fuel source, is there anything else about an EV that actually makes it greener than your typical internal combustion engine cars? I think fundamentally, we, we uh, should understand a little bit about the physics, right, of uh, uh, the various forms of uh, transportation. Uh, inherently, for an internal combustion engine car, unfortunately, it's not that energy efficient, right? Every unit of energy uh, that you derive from uh, the petrol that you put into the tank, you only get about 20 to 25% energy efficiency that is then converted to the mechanical motion that the car enjoys, right? The vast majority of the energy from the uh, petrol, from the gasoline, from the diesel is transformed to heat and that's wasted, right? So, so therefore, inherently, we have to recognize that the internal combustion engine car is not that energy efficient. Right, and if you contrast that with a you know an electric vehicle, right, which relies on the electric motor, 
right? The electric motor is vastly more uh, energy efficient. We're talking about 80% energy efficiency. So that's the rough ballpark of efficiency that we're talking about. And contrasting that with ICE, uh, because uh, there's, there's no competition. So that's why even as we draw power from the uh, power plants, right, through the national grid in Singapore, right, and of course there are emissions, uh, you know, or rather energy losses at the power plants, I think on the net basis, when all things are considered, we're still talking about hefty emissions reductions, right? On the net basis, when you convert an IC car to an EV. But how does this kind of fuel efficiency actually translate into greater range for EV, say, compared to your traditional IC vehicles? Now, uh, if you're talking about range, then uh, you are talking about what is the optimal size of batteries because you don't want a, a battery to be uh, too big in any electric vehicle. So there's a sweet spot in terms of size uh, you know, for an EV uh, battery, right? Uh, so, so the typical range that we're talking about today, all right, as, as I can see from the various models available in Singapore, it's about 400 kilometers, which is very uh, reasonable, right? So a normal IC car with a full petrol tank may last, say, 700 kilometers. So EV is narrowing the gap, right? The, the batteries are getting more efficient. Uh, they are getting more compact, Right and and therefore, uh, with with those trends, we think the range, the average range of EVs will continue to improve, and the gap with IC cars will continue to narrow. Right. Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Green Pulse on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Like us and give us a rating. So, speaking of batteries, let's turn to a couple of other aspects of EVs. Um, Obviously, there's the issue of production of batteries and the materials that go in them, such as lithium and cobalt and other materials, um, and the environmental impacts of mining. And then there's the second related issue of recycling. Um, obviously, batteries reach a certain level of efficiency or peak efficiency, and then that declines, and the batteries need replacing after, I don't know, a couple of years, five years. So maybe talk us through about you know the environmental aspects of the mining and then about recycling, I mean, how that is improving over time as well. Uh, certainly, uh, one has to be concerned about the need to mine lithium, right? To, in order to produce the batteries that go into uh, electric vehicles, that's something that's unavoidable. So, uh, so I think what uh, companies in the ecosystem can do is really to do the mining in the sustainable fashion, right? And, and uh, there are quite a number of countries in the world that are paying attention to the way uh, lithium and cobalt are mined, right? And, and I think as consumers, as users of EVs around the world, we should demand that uh, the very EV, uh, EV companies that are making the EVs uh, have stringent standards on the way all these uh, uh, materials are mined. All said, uh, there are many ways, uh, many uh, avenues by which the environmental impact of using lithium-ion batteries can be much uh, mitigated. In the context of Singapore, uh, I'm glad to share uh, that uh, National Environment Agency has uh, started the Extended Producer Responsibility Program. Uh, this will come into effect uh, from July this year, right? And lithium-ion battery is listed as part of the uh, electronic ways by which the original producers or sellers of the equipment would have to be responsible for to reclaim uh, once that equipment reaches the end of the shelf life, right? So in the case of EVs, right, when the EVs reach the end of their shelf life in Singapore, the sellers of the EVs would then be responsible for claiming back uh, the batteries, 
right? And making sure that they are, you know, handled properly after the end of the shelf life. Now, so what happens after that? Uh, uh, the government has also been encouraging various players to establish uh, electronic waste recycling plants in Singapore. So that augurs well for uh, this movement. And recently, uh, a local company known as TES, uh, TES, has just started up a, a factory in Singapore that looks into reclaiming more than 90% of the precious metals uh, from used lithium-ion batteries, right? So if you can reclaim more than 90% of the lithium and cobalt and reuse uh, you know, in new batteries, that will very much reduce the, the strain on the environment when you mine the fresh uh, materials such as uh, lithium and cobalt. And, and beyond all that, there's another avenue to uh, further mitigate the environmental impact of uh, lithium-ion batteries. And that is uh, reusing uh, the lithium-ion batteries from EVs in second-life applications. The lithium-ion batteries in EVs have to meet the highest uh, standards, right? In terms of performance, in terms of quality, etc. But even as they reach their so-called end-of-shelf life, they can be repositioned for other applications that do not demand the same level of quality. And, and such applications could include uh, stationary power applications where they can be used in off-grid uh, uh, sites uh, where it's not connected to the national grid. Uh, you can uh, put the uh, so-called second-life batteries together with a renewable energy system and power the village particularly at night, right? So, so there are such uh, second-life applications uh, you know, uh, booming in many off-site locations across Asia today. And we think that Singapore can play a role in that as well. We've talked a lot about the benefits of EVs to the environment, but what about in terms of human health as well? I mean, vehicular emissions are big producers of PM2.5, which can be a health hazard in some cases. Do EVs get rid of all these tailpipe emissions totally? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so fundamentally, as we all know, uh, there's no tailpipe to begin with in an electric vehicle. That's good news, right? Uh, so therefore, uh, when we convert to electric vehicles in a very big way in Singapore, we are removing uh, huge amounts of NOx, SOx, right? NOx, NOx, uh, SOx, SOx, as well as particulate uh, matter 2.5, PM 2.5, from our streets, from our urban centers, right? And uh, studies abound around the world. Uh, we showed that if uh, an urban center is highly polluted, there will be a certain uh, you know, number of premature deaths uh, in that city, right? And I think that the study can be easily extrapolated to Singapore, where we can even compute that, you know, Every year, there will be a certain uh, degree of premature deaths arising from air pollution generated in the urban centers uh, from uh, ICE cars, right? So by having high penetration of EVs, it means that a lot of such uh, pollutants, uh, tailpipe pollutants, will be then be removed from our, our streets, our neighborhoods, etc., right? And it makes for much cleaner air, much uh, healthier environment for Singaporeans. But I think beyond that, there are two other benefits that I, I would like to uh, bring up, and that is uh, number one, uh, a reduction in the urban heat effect of Singapore. Uh, we have been tracking, uh, obviously, the gradual rise uh, in the temperature, right, of uh, urban centers in Singapore through the decades. And, and it's evident that, that that trend is ongoing and it's not going to stop simply because uh, that there's more uh, industrial activity in Singapore, there's more usage of uh, air conditioning. And obviously, partially because of traffic as well, right? Because uh, cars emit heat, right? 
and then when I say cars, I meant IC cars, right? But when you convert to an EV, the heat signature becomes drastically reduced, right? So therefore, when you're high profile EVs, etc., uh, it's very much expected that then for the urban heat effect uh, will be mitigated to some extent. And that's good news for us. And the other positive effect of uh, EVs is also the noise level. Or to be more exact, the lack of noise, right? EVs, as we know, are very silent, right? And, and therefore, if uh, we have a, a good number of EVs running around in Singapore, it will make for more quiet uh, neighborhood for all of us, right? So, so therefore, uh, we were talking about the you know, reduction in heat, we were talking about reduction in noise, and of course, uh, removal of uh, tailpipe emissions from our urban centers. So many, many uh, environmental-related effects uh, that we should enjoy as we raise the passion level of EVs in Singapore. I think there was an article um, back last year, after, right after the circuit breaker, there was a noticeable drop in pollutant levels when everyone was working from home and not commuting. So that is a real-life case study that many of us would be familiar with. But what do you think about Singaporeans' ap appetite for EVs? I mean... We have seen the news, we have seen uh, responses from our listeners and readers that, you know, there are still a lot of concerns about, uh, about switching to an EV. Uh, charging time is one, number of electric chargers is one. Do you think that we'll be able to overcome all these obstacles? Uh, clearly, there's a chicken and egg uh, conundrum in Singapore, right? Uh, should uh, one buy an EV ahead of uh, the EV charging infrastructure being installed, right? Or should the infrastructure be installed ahead of time, ahead of the you know the EV driver making the decision, right? Uh, so companies like Charge Plus, we have made the decision to break that conundrum. We have announced fairly recently that we want to have ten thousand charging points in Singapore by twenty thirty, and that will be across a whole range of uh, landlocked uh, premises, including residential commercial industrial and we want to also serve a fleet operators uh, we believe that it's critical to invest ahead of demand that will uh, spur confidence uh, in wanting to own the evs and our feel uh, from the ground our feel from talking to many uh, drivers uh, is that uh, most of them want to have ev chargers at the doorstep of their premises right of where they stay before they make the decision to buy uh, evs so therefore we, we are in the process of uh, breaking the conundrum but even with, with that uh, you know, uh, being addressed today, all right, there are still <laughs> quite a number of pain points that still need to be uh, addressed uh, as well. And, and one of these uh, pain points would include uh, the lack of power supply in many locations in Singapore. Right? So when uh, a lot of the buildings in Singapore planned for uh, their car parks, uh, and that was some decades ago uh, for many of these uh, premises, they never anticipated the EVs to become uh, potentially popular. right? as we are seeing today, right? So therefore, the switch rooms are not equipped enough with enough power capacity to provide for a large number of EV chargers in their car parks. Uh, the, the substation near to the buildings may also not be sufficiently sized to cater for high numbers of EVs being charged at the same time. So therefore, there needs to be an upgrade of the grid infrastructure of the building uh, power systems over time. And, and it's going to be an expensive uh, affair. Uh, so... As the government is uh, still uh, looking through uh, the national policy towards upgrading the infrastructure, uh, clearly uh, the Land Transport Authority has come out to say that uh, we need a mindset change. We need a mindset change in terms of accepting that the experience of topping up uh, you know, 
uh, EV, so to speak, right, which is to charge an EV, will be very different for topping up the petrol tank of an ICD car. Because we are very used to a three-minute, a five-minute experience. We go to the petrol station, we top up the petrol tank, off we go, right? But for uh, electric vehicles, uh, uh, I think the government uh, positioning is that we should get used to overnight slow charging so that we don't uh, have to spend too much money to upgrade our infrastructure for fast chargers, right? So rely a, a lot more on slow chargers, overnight charging, and therefore the experience that we should uh, get accustomed to is, you know, we go to sleep, we plug it in as if uh, we are plugging in our iPhone, our, uh, you know, our laptop, etc. When we wake up, our EV will be fully charged, right? So that's a mindset change that I think a lot of the initial uh, EV drivers are still getting accustomed to. I think it will take a few years, right? But that is the mindset change that I think society has to uh, go through in order to gain more acceptance for EVs. Right? So there's still quite a number of uh, pain points. And, and I think one by one, my belief is that those pain points will be uh, adequately addressed and we'll run out of excuses not to take up EVs in the future. <laughs> so just ending off on a, uh, on a positive note, do you think Singapore can meet its target of phasing out internal combustion engines by 2040? Or could it in fact do it sooner? Well, uh, as a Singaporean, uh, uh, there's no reason to believe that Singapore cannot meet our target for 2040. Uh, history has shown that once uh, Singapore expresses a will, it will meet its target, right? And uh, I can draw the examples of the water story, how we overcome our uh, you know, disadvantage, you know, uh, in terms of being water scarce, right? And, and we came up with new uh, solutions uh, to produce more water for Singapore. We have looked at how we have transport, transformed public housing in Singapore, right? Through HDB, we have looked at uh, you know, how we have uh, transformed uh, public transportation, right? Uh, through MRT and other uh, means as well in Singapore. And we think the same can happen for electric vehicles, right? So uh, therefore, I'm, I'm very confident that, you know, uh, we are very much on track. Uh, we've started this incredible journey to transform the land transport sector in Singapore. So I, I'm very optimistic. I'm very positive, And that's why I'm in charge class to begin with. So thank you, Chikong, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap for Green Pulse, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion. For more on climate change and the environment, do check out our stories in The Straits Times. And don't forget to subscribe to our Green Pulse podcast series on your favourite audio apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.